0: Hi, dance friends. I'm Margaret Fuhrer, content director for the Dance Edit newsletter and podcast. And welcome to this special episode in partnership with Jacob Jonas, the company's platform, The Thought. The Thought, which you can find online at thethought.art, is dedicated to amplifying the voices and the work of people who are moving culture into the future by being bold and actively rethinking processes and systems in the arts world. In line with that theme today we have a conversation between two artists slash disruptors gypsy snyder is a co-founder and artistic director of the seven fingers a creative collective that combines circus and dance and theater it is based in montreal but also now as you'll hear has an outpost in san francisco at club fugazi daniel esrilo started out as a dancer with Lar lubovic and paul taylor and palabolus and was one of the original members of momix since then, he has become an in-demand choreographer and director working all over the concert and commercial worlds and also running his own company, Ezra Lo Dance. Both of these artists have careers that span the nonprofit and for-profit worlds. So we brought them together to discuss not just the pros and cons of those two systems as they apply to dance and performance, but also to talk about how they might be reimagined to better meet the needs of today's artists, and especially those working in the United States. By the way, this is the last you'll hear of my voice until the very end of the episode. Gypsy and Daniel have such deep knowledge about this topic that we didn't wanna get in the way of their dialogue. But just to orient you a bit, we began the conversation with the question about whether nonprofit models might be quote unquote better for arts organizations, which is a belief that's common in some corners of the arts world. And the answer to that question started with a discussion of how the nonprofit model affects the process of creation. Versus how the for profit model affects that process. So that's where Gypsy is beginning here. Enjoy.
1: For me, the idea of public funding, a, a society investing in staples of its society, meaning education, healthcare, and Um, science and culture means that we are all under a united premise that culture is key to society and the evolution of society. And I would even go so far as not just culture, but creativity, like the scientific and sociological um, necessity for creativity in a culture. So when you are creating under using public funding, it is a very... Pragmatic um, necessity to create art for the exercise of creating art. And it is not for creating something that will be successful, either financially or necessarily that the audience has to like it. So For me, the necessity of a nonprofit is is exactly that. It's creating art without the goal of creating for profit. Now, wonderfully, sometimes art catches on fire and everybody loves it. And then, you know, money or success comes with that. But when you when you solely create art with the need to survive financially or to become successful financially, that impacts the creative process. The neurological creative process becomes completely tampered with. So on a very scientific level, you need to create art at its most, to to be truly, creative you need to not need to do it for money and you also need to not do it to have people love you and that is something that i think men in america it's very difficult to understand and i think if you go see art that makes you angry or that you think isn't good you get angry like why did i spend my time doing this well if you don't cultivate the true, true, true freedom of expression, then we're in a fabricated world. And unfortunately, capitalism is a fabricated world that only works for those who can, can succeed um, by mass production or mass consumption.
2: That was wonderful, Gypsy. <laughs> that was like a good good introduction to the class at, uh, at, at Stanford or Berkeley, um, but... Um, I do have some thoughts about that. I rather agree with you on the premise that you're making. The first premise is that art is a necessity, and art is a necessity for society. Um, And uh, sorry to say, America doesn't see it as a necessity. Our schools pay for mathematics, for reading, for writing, but There are dyslexic kids that can make paintings beyond your imagination, and we don't fund that in the same way. We don't see art as a necessity. So There's no question in my mind that we've got it wrong in America. I think Europe has a government-funded society of cultural institutions. You can be a choreographer, you can be a dancer, you can be a painter, and you can live a normal life, albeit maybe you don't have a yacht, maybe you don't have a penthouse, but you live a, an existence as, as as good as many people that have a, a working wage. Um, that doesn't happen in America. In terms of the good and broad, bad nonprofit, it opens up a bit of a Pandora's box, because when I became, I mean, I started dancing late in my in my life, so up to the age of, of college, I was really looking at pre-med and other things, and I took a dance class. It changed my life because I understood that I could speak. I didn't care about money at all. I just needed to dance. So going to New York, I became a dancer and all I wanted to do was dance. And I danced in the nonprofit world, the modern dance scene, which was uh, Lar Lu Lubavitch and Paul Taylor. And, you know, but what I came from my father being an accountant, he, he busted his bump to make sure that his kids could have a living. So, What was instilled in me is that there's a service to provide. Every human being provides a service through communication. So when I broke away from New York nonprofit world and myself to Connecticut with Moses uh, and Momix, we started, I said to myself, why won't people pay for what I do? What I do is valuable. Why do I have to ask people for money to do something that I think is very valid. So therefore, we started creating our art in a way that people would pay for it. Now, is that all of a sudden corrupting the art mind or not? I would its It's a big discussion because I actually think that art is about communication. If I go into the woods and I start sculpting a tree, I'm doing it for me. I don't care if anyone sees it. But if I all of a sudden want someone to appreciate this, to to if I make a, a chair out of a tree and want someone to sit on it or it to sit in a gallery and someone to look at it and say, oh, it's so beautiful, the wood, the curves, then I am dealing with communication. And art in my mind must communicate on whatever level. It must doesn't have to communicate to the masses. But therefore, the premise is that if it's communication, I am at service of the people that I do my work for, does that go to the to the Disney World of High School Musical or whatever? Like that? Maybe not, but I'm still at service. Am I? If I'm uh, in a theater of 500 people, I want 500 people to get what I'm saying. So, in a way, it's not about profit or nonprofit. It's about keep connected to the people, keep connected to humanity. And I believe that should be paid for from the government, first of all, which it doesn't happen. But what I never was able to do, I wasn't able to never able to go to someone to say, please give me $10,000. I need to do a project. I could never do it. So therefore I could never sit in the nonprofit world. I just didn't have the ability to ask people for financing.
1: Well, I, I completely agree on every level. However, I had to do more asking for money for my LLC in terms of investment than I ever did when I used public funding. And I don't think of nonprofit as asking the government. It's the people's money. I mean, I think that the government is of the people, by the people. And our taxpayers' dollars is not going to people in the government. It's supposed to go into a system that comes back and feeds us. now. Granted, I've lived in socialized democracies since I was 18, always continued to vote and to pay my taxes in the States and create work in the States because I also, I left the States actually at 18 because I grew up in the nonprofit and I was like, this is bullshit. I don't want to be poor doing what I'm doing. I don't, my parents struggled through the seventies and eighties to create art and the pleasure of what we did somehow was net we didn't ever feel that pleasure i like in my childhood in many ways to like we belonged to some church or cult where it was like you did what you loved but you ne- and people and people applauded you but you were never going to be able to survive doing that it was like we had to live this like monk like existence to do circus in the united states in other countries where art is subsidized what's also interesting is people go to art all of the time so you know you getting people to go to the theater go to a museum in 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 america it's like it has to be cool it has to be the it thing right but in europe you go to your local theater in the middle of like hodunk france you go every week you go at least twice a month And it's like most times people would come to our shows and like, I don't even think they knew what they were coming to see. You just went to the theater because there was theater.
2: Because the basic nature, the basic nature of art is ingrained and woven into the society, which America, sadly to say, didn't do.
1: Yeah. And I, and I'd like to also sort of agree with you because you speak about the responsibility of creating something good in this moment of communication like showing up as an artist to exchange with the audience which I really really can relate to and the fact that being able to do this profession at all is a privilege and something that I have so much I'm so honored to still be able to even exist in this realm so when I create work I feel Mm. responsible to give something to the audience to open their hearts and their minds and nurture that connectivity that Daniel's talking about. Yeah. However, the print, not, not however, but as well, the principle of a society saying that art doesn't have to be good or bad. It should not be defined in that way to, to purely cultivate. I'm going to give money so that people who are creative can continue to be creative this freedom of trying things, for me, that that is at the heart of what a nonprofit should do for a society. Now, just because you're an artist doesn't mean that you get to sit back and like, there was a part of me in France, for example, where people would get so much money and then they would just sort of wallow in it in this creative state (laughs) and like do one one performance a year. And I'm like, that's not it either.
2: Yeah, I think what it is, is everyone must realize we are doing a service. And I think what an artist's responsibility is to stay out of the ego. Ultimately, what we do, whether we're profit or nonprofit, is we serve. Now, what do we serve? How do we serve? And how does the energy of money work? And I think that's where we come down to the situation where I really think There's certain societies which don't value the energy of art and they don't pass the energy of money towards the energy of art. The best thing I could do an artist is when a thirsty person walks up, give them a glass of water. Good batter, wad batter, bad water, doesn't matter. Ultimately, what I'm doing is giving people what they need. Whether we're profit or non-profit, you can make them both work, people have made them both work. Dave Parsons is a good friend. He, he has to raise, I don't know five million a year to keep his company. and he does he does great. He's totally nonprofit. I am never been nonprofit. I just don't think we're ever devoid of people that are paying us, whether it's a, a philanthropic p- uh, payment or whether it's I'll give you ten bucks for that dance mm.
1: wanting to really cultivate my brain and my cre- the my creative muscles and sort of make things happen really didn't feel, feel like there was any infrastructure for that in the United States, that it was I would really have to be a cowboy in the States to make art work. The places where I was really blossoming myself were in these socialized democracies where there was space they were more seated in like, no, no, we've got this. And then you do this company, you know, that the kind of the thing that, that I think socialism can do, which is sort of you sit back into a structure because the structure is comfortable. So this combination of being an American where you're never allowed to really sit back, I was, con- I was really aware of those two different energies, but subconsciously. And then of course, what's interesting is the place where I really landed after eight years in Europe, Montreal, I feel at home in a very different way than I do in the States. And I think it's because the socialized democracy in Canada really embraced both levels, like European and American. And Cirque du Soleil kind of invented this thing. I don't know if it really existed before them, where they were a nonprofit and a for-profit they have two companies which from the get-go with the seven fingers we started with a non-profit but within a year and a half we opened our for-profit and it was so natural and so clear of like the non-profit in the beginning it's like oh because we can get government money let's do it we can get government money and then you go like oh the slow realization of government it's not government money it's the people's money People pay a lot of taxes here and those taxes went into my pocket to make shows. So that responsibility thing that you're talking about, Ezra, I feel that even more because not only are people buying tickets to see my shows, they actually paid taxes for me to make those shows. And then it also became clear, like we wanted to do corporate work. We wanted to do televised and film work. You know, that was just exciting, fun stuff that I always wanted to do it didn't really fit in the nonprofit model. So having both from the beginning was really important.
2: It sounds great what you're doing. And I always thought about it too, having, whether it was Momix or something else, a profit wing and a nonprofit, because Twyla was doing that because Twyla had the ability to work for Misha and ABT or whatever, and then to go off and do a Broadway show. And so anyone makes sense and says, well, why am I, what is this and what is this? I thought about that. I just believe dance should be paid for. Yeah, I just believe it. I mean, I work with Julia a lot, Tamor, and there's no nonprofit there. She's, yeah. she's, but her work is incredible art. Yeah. And it's all profit. So if I'm able to do work that pays me, I'm going to keep doing it that way because I believe that's part of my, um, back to the same word, service.
1: I think what you're, I completely agree with what you're saying. And, and you've chosen a path and you've I want to say I hate this word so much but you've succeeded in your path. However, for a lot of people cuz not everyone is going to be able to achieve what you did in the in the world of art and the, and what art does for society, not everyone will get to a space where you've gotten or even remotely to a space where you've gotten. So is there a space in the United States where People can exist and create culture for their communities without needing to be as successful. And that's yeah. where public money comes in. And I and it's such a fascinating time in the United States because the disparity of money is so extreme right now that in a way yeah. what you're saying totally. is philanthropy and and being paid for art, you're right. We should be making as much. Money as say a Tesla person or a whatever, or a you know, a Broadway, whatever. However, there's a lot of communities that need a baseline of health and happiness and expression that we still need to defend the nonprofit system, even if yeah. you don't need it.
2: Oh, I agree, I agree, I agree 100% with you. We must defend the nonprofit system. I mean, I agree with you. Everyone doesn't succeed on a level, but then again, everything that I've learned about creativity is stay out of the box. I keep thinking out of the box, how I can offer something that someone hasn't thought of. How can I change the paradigm? I'm hired for a hair commercial, (laughs) salon selective. You know, it's the best paycheck I've ever had. I mean, I call home to my wife every day. What the F am I doing here? I'm sitting on the set. Telling a girl how to wave her hair, and it's like, oh my God. And I started shifting, and I I realized, oh, I'm supposed to be here. Okay, so what am I supposed? So the most important thing became the relationship I had with the actors and how I was able to osmos an idea that it could be a little bit more elevated, something very base level, as product sales could become elevated. And we've seen through Apple and through Spike Jones and, you know, the Apple commercials, you know, we've seen great work, you know, on a level that's very popular and also very out of the box. So I think practicality is crucial, but our job as artists, I think, is to stay with this creative head, is to stay out of the box of we are in an institution following the ways and therefore we do this. Yes, we've got to support nonprofit, no question. No question in my mind. Yes, we've got to keep philanthropy going. Yes, we've got to keep the big companies, the Bezos and the the Elon Musk's throwing a billion dollars at the arts because it'll heal more than the missiles that are being shot into Ukraine, no question. But we have to also remember that our job is to keep out there connecting, keep out there exploring. And so that's when I have trouble defining it as nonprofit and profit because the nonprofit requires me to sit down for the government and say, "This penny is here, but oh, this penny is nonprofit and And it's like that would stop my creative in- instinct right away.
1: Yeah, making a company, and we're also a collective, so it's very particular. There's seven of us we always wanted to think and create outside of the box. And we, we have almost zero policies in our company and everyone thinks we're crazy because every time we start a project, we start from scratch. But we did wanna create a box within which we could be creative. And that meant you know, creating a building, it meant creating an infrastructure. So for example, at the Seven Fingers, all seven of us earn the same amount of money And any project that we do goes into the company and we just get a monthly salary. We basically created a structure to allow us as humans to do the least amount of paperwork humanly possible and to always know that like, let's say you've got a great gig here and then there's a dry spell and you're doing less, you know, money making things. Well, someone else of the fingers is doing that money-making thing, which allows us to just have that regular paycheck. And, and that is a shocker to a lot of people that that's how we created the company. And that kind of collectivity is very rare. It's very difficult. It has required us over 20 years to constantly put ourselves in check, our ego, our work ethic, what we're bringing to the group, what we're bringing to the company, what we're bringing to the world. It's a lot of emotional work, a lot of creative work. And it's also a lot of collaborative work where sometimes you just go like, I just want to do what I want to do. God damn it. So we started by founding the nonprofit because we wanted to apply for grants that were available. Um, very quickly, though, we were we had done corporate work. We wanted to continue doing commercial work, and we also wanted our margin of profit to rise. And very much what Daniel's saying is like, I would like to be paid for. Some of the innovative and incredible work that we're able to do. So that's why very quickly we created the for profit. So, what I would say to young people right now is that I believe that the nonprofit is a wonderful way to start getting a project going, especially if you don't have the content or the means to create creative content in order to get that philanthropic philanthropic support. And yet the nonprofit should never be a prison. So for example, when we started San Francisco, I became the producer, which I also, so I'm, I write and create and direct and choreograph, but I'm also a producer, which meant I had to go to different people within the community and say, would you be interested in investing in, this project, and I needed not just people who are going to invest financially, but people who are also going to invest in terms of community support for this project. Because creating a company and a long running show in San Francisco, I also need the union, I need uh, politicians, I need the restaurants and shops around the corner to want me to be there. I ne- there was like a huge amount of community outreach to support that project that I learned from my nonprofit world. And yet it is a for-profit, but the fact that I have all these investors who want this thing to succeed, it means they're coming every week. They're sending their friends. They're talking it up with, you know, it's, it's people from tech. It's people from medical industry. It's people, it's not necessarily people from the arts, but in many ways I created an LLC that looks like a nonprofit.
2: I think your model that you just proposed to me is the model. And profit, nonprofit. Uh, I, it, you created the model out of necessity. You said, I'm going to do this. Basically, you went to people and got people that were interested, that are investors. Because your creativity, Seven Fingers Creativity, said, this is interesting. The same way Apple said it. This is interesting. There are designers, you're designing products. Your products are bodies on stage. Apple's designing air, ear pods and different things. People, you're, you're creating a need for your work. To me, that is the model for art and that's what it should be. And there's no, you can call it profit or nonprofit because it works in both worlds. What to me actually scares me away from nonprofit is this kind of, poverty mentality it's a poverty mentality that says as artists we must be poor we must create something that that nobody wants and we must go to ask for foundations for the money because they're the rich people that built all the buildings and they have the money and they're going to do a a gracious service of giving us twenty thousand dollars so that we it's like we should do it ourselves we we are creative to the point of where we can build the buildings we are responsible to do what you did in San Francisco. Yeah.
1: The only thing that... Because I agree, the negativity around the culture of nonprofits, like people who are in the nonprofit world are just moaning. But that's, again, for me, this idea that the money is coming from the government and that the government is something that is other than ourselves. And I really want to be careful about this. Art is supposed to, as Daniel said we're supposed to connect people into a, into communication and debate and to talk about hard things and feel hard things in through art and and conversation and so my fear is that if we go purely into government is bad uh, and and capitalism is the only way forward you want to do it make it happen there are a lot of people who do not have in the united states access Mentally, racially, whatever people's infrastructures are, there's still for me the value of destigmatizing and and taking that negative thing that you're talking about. I'd love to somehow take that negative conversation away so when I guess what I'm trying to say, Daniel, is that I agree with you, but what I'm worried about is that the actual truth of why the nonprofit exists is going to be abolished, I'm hoping that the future of people who want to make companies and shows, they're going to say, oh, well, let's go with the LLC because the nonprofit is really a downer and I actually want to make money doing what I'm doing. But the responsibility to uh, people who are not in the privileged situation of being in this conversation is also pertinent.
2: I agree. No, I agree totally with what you're saying. I just think that and I'm look, I'm not talking as an expert because I have not been in the nonprofit world. I I don't I dabbled with it a little bit, but I found it to be a seal, a glass ceiling. I found it to be a place where we get our money and we do our little piece. And I don't think it inspired the art. I don't think it inspired the creativity. I, I you know there were have always been donors and philanthropists for great art in the world. There's always been a wealthy duke who gave the money to to the painter who wanted to he wanted a portrait of himself. Rembrandt didn't make his own money. He made money because he was had commissions. You know, Bach worked for the church. So in a sense we've created this kind of weird. I'm not gonna say it's broken because I agree with you, Gypsy. We can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. But when you look to something in Amsterdam or the Dutch national, you know, or or, or you know, there's funding for what they do. Billy went to Frankfurt because he had funding to do the Frankfurt ballet. And he lived I would love that. I would love to forget, you know, be funded that was a kind of a system which said it was important. We've never created that in America for dance. We've never created that kind of, the best thing was the dance touring uh, program of the eighties, which actually believed that dance should go around and the NEA had money, but that went out with, you know, the nineties and that was gone. So the necessity is in this conversation in a way, and it's opening up a new um, onion in a way is how do we get, the downtrodden kind of small mentality of the nonprofit to rethink that. How do we rethink that? So it's more expansive, it's more gracious, it's more utilizing the opportunities that are there with the internet revolution. I just don't want artists to be suppressed anymore. Yeah, And it's so important that we elevate ourselves as artists. We think bigger. We think stronger. We we are not afraid to risk ourselves. It's just a matter of keeping connected and keeping talking and keeping thinking and not suppressing the small artists, like you say, a Gypsy, that might not say, don't, don't suppress yourself. Be an artist. Make a commitment to it and go on the line. And then, you know, what happens somewhere in the industrial revolution, the 40s, and is we started going from have what you need to get as much as you can. And if we could redefine that and get what we need, maybe we could shift some of this paradigm. Of course, it's a big discussion. It's a big political discussion. It's a big capitalistic discussion. But that mentality actually is a successful mentality. Have what you need. Some people need a lot. Some people need very little. So, the the disparity between the profit and the nonprofit is not necessarily bad. It's just we can't suppress the nonprofit.
1: Totally. And I I think, you know, if I want to make a show, If I want to create a show and get the funding to do it and a place to do it and an audience to come and see it or someone to sell those tickets and all that stuff, it's very complex. Our nonprofit thing was basically like there was an amount of money that you could get from the government if you were going to create a new work. You write a pitch, you write it all out, and bam, we had $30,000. And that $30,000 was a fraction of what we needed to actually create our first show. But it was enough to get us going. And after that, very quickly, we said, we don't need to be dependent on this system. We can continue to activate the public money system for arts. We continue to use it a lot. It saved us during the pandemic, but we don't want to be dependent on it. To be dependent on it is false from the get-go. And I think that that's something I just realized listening to you speak, Daniel, is that it's just a tool. Nonprofit is just a potential tool that might be accessible in your community and it might not be. And it might be something that if you do use it, you need to know, I just use this group of taxpayers' money. I need to give back to this community in some way.
2: That is great what you're saying. I that is a hundred percent in agreement. Don't become dependent upon it.
1: Or if some, you know, a, a pandemic hits and you don't have money then you can use that as a structure to help you, which I know was a a total chaotic scene for everyone around the world during the pandemic, but it did save us. And now we feel deeply indebted to Montreal and we wanna give back to Montreal. So I I really think it needs to constantly be an exchange and, and let's just remember that government and government money is people's money and it is people investing in their society. And so that means that even the poorest people or the lowest income people are philanthropists. I can't say the word anymore. Philanthropists. Uh,
2: It's really hard to say what someone should do. You must do what you need to do. And were I young today, I would do what I needed to do. If that means dance naked on the street, I would do it. You know, I mean, or if it means try to beg and borrow to get into the Wallace Theater, I would do the same. It, it, but everybody has different needs, too. You have to be true to yourself. You must go inside and find out what you need to be the greatest dancer in the world to you need to have a company. I remember something so specific when me and Dave Parsons were in Paul Taylor. We went up to his his one room apartment and he said, I want to be able to pay people. And I I couldn't understand what he's talking about, but he said it. He wanted to have a company that he, and he made it. I had not that desire at all. You know, uh, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to to go out there and dance and make work and travel the world. And, you know, and, and, but I saw it. So. Everyone has their own needs. And I think that is what people have to listen A young dancer, a young artist must go inside and identify what they need. Cause the need is the most important thing for the artist.
1: I I would, I would have to agree 100 million percent that you have to be authentic to what your needs are. And when you're growing a plant, you need a seed, you need dirt, you need water, you need sun, you need air. And th- so, you know, whatever your environment is, if you have any kind of vision, you're going to always add all those components or it's not going to grow. And I think, you know, you better than I, as we've clearly established, understand the digital world better than I do. And so that's a huge component of your work because it's one of the elements you need to grow. And that's incredible. I, because I was successful at a certain with live performance, I was able to continue that like created a momentum that I was able to continue feeding. And if you feel that there's public funding, and that's a thing that's going to continue making the momentum happen. Great. If it is not, if it is philanthropic, then go that way. You know, it's just, it's really what what Daniel said, it's you have to be very true to yourself, and true to your environment. Is there access to light, water, dirt, air?
2: And sometimes it happens because you risk. Sometimes happens just because you risk. You follow your heart and you risk. But you, again, what Gypsy said, too, you've got to be true to yourself. Don't just adopt a system because it seems like the right thing to do.
1: Yeah. And never take a system at face value. I mean, that's the other thing. I think we go, oh, it's the government or this is what nonprofit is. If, if there's a grant, go get it and do what you want with it. Change that system. Tell the people who wrote, who have the grant writers, we had to say, you don't understand what it takes to make a circus show. This is not, If you need to listen to us. That money is for us and it needs to work for the world now. And that improves government, which then improves the situation for the next guy who's applying for a grant. You know, we play this game in order to keep playing the game. We don't play this game to win and be done.
0: A huge thank you to Gypsy and Daniel for that fantastic conversation. In the show notes, we have links to their company's websites and social accounts so you can follow them. You can also find an edited transcript of this conversation on The Thought at thethought.art. We have links to that site and to the platform's Instagram page too, so that you can keep up with all of the work that they're doing. They've been posting fascinating, category-defying content on that theme of disrupting culture. All right, that's it for us this week. Thanks everyone for joining. Keep learning, keep advocating, and keep dancing.